Welcome to the DDT Archives. I am Chris. With me, as always, is my co-host, Greg. Greg, how are you? I'm fantastic on this Monday night. How are you guys? <laughs> Doing great today uh, in the Indie Lounge. We are uh, really excited to have one of the top up-and-coming wrestlers on the independent scene, Jaden Newman. Jaden, how are you today? What's up, man? You forgot something. It's El Numero Uno, Ichiban number one, the uncrowned king of the scenic city in the most comfortable seat in the Indie Lounge, Jaden. <laughs> we couldn't well, have done that as well We couldn't pull that off. No way we could have pulled that <laughs> intro off. There's, hell no. <laughs> I, I think somewhere in there, my wife just ordered from her favorite Chinese place, which happens to be Ichiban. Well, good. It's She's my, spending the right money. Uh, it's, my, <laughs> it's my it's my favorite Japanese beer, Kirinichiban. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're we're definitely super excited to have you. Um, you know, give us a little background. You know, how did you come to love professional wrestling? So honestly, I grew to love professional wrestling through uh, the times I spent at the local flea market around here. I was going with my grandfather essentially every weekend and um, man, like I was probably like eight years old, eight or nine. And I was just like around these people talking about professional wrestling, watching professional wrestling. And I would just buy these DVDs, whether it was uh, WWE or any like any ECW. I, I really enjoyed ECW and I probably shouldn't have been watching it at an early age, but I found it. I just bought it. And um I just I fell in love, man. Uh, before that, though, I had the uh, Nintendo GameCube. Did you guys ever play the GameCube? We played about everything but GameCube, <laughs> but it, we understand the love of professional wrestling video games. Gotcha. So I had played Legends of Wrestling, uh, the first video game they had put out in the series, and that's honestly me whooping Hulk Hogan's ass as Ricky Morton is what like kind of got me into like that pool of like wanting to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And now uh, I'm 21 years old and I'm, I'm here, you know? So it's wild how it like kind of grows from wait, a little wait. seed into this flower. Wait, you're, you're how old? I'm 21 years old. And you've been wrestling for six years? Yeah, I started wrestling at the age of 15, man. Oh my God. Who did you lie to to make that happen? <laughs> The whole state of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Why, why not lie to the entire state? That is fantastic. Oh, man. Hey, uh, man, we're, we're professional bullshitters at the end of the day. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so with you being so young, the fact that you love Ricky Morton, tell us a little bit about that. So actually, at first, I didn't know who Ricky Morton was. I, I just found him in this video game and thought – this guy has a mullet and he has a bunch of bandanas. This is pretty badass. I'm gonna beat this like raisin man's ass. It was <laughs> insane. Um, I grew pretty much to love Southern wrestling the deeper I got into uh, becoming a fan. My first favorite wrestler, of course, was Rey Mysterio. And uh, oddly enough, the first match I had ever seen in professional wrestling due to like uh, the power of DVDs and not the WWE Network at the time was uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc 97. 
But with Ricky Morton, man, uh, later on, like I pretty much would just watch him wrestle around at the local shows because he lives in Chucky, Tennessee, and he's not very far from Chattanooga. So he was coming up here and doing some local shots every once in a while. And he, I just remember like his, uh, how nice he was and how hospitable he was. And, uh, that just, you know, that goes to show you that like Southern wrestlers and, uh, Southern wrestlers are just a different breed, man. And they're like probably some of the most humble people I've ever met. That's awesome. We, uh, we love the Rock and Roll Express, especially growing up. They were for the exact reasons why you you said you know the colorful trunks, the bandanas, the flashiness. And now, as uh, an older fan, you know we'll, we'll leave our age out of it because you make us feel real old. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, you know, his ability to sell and yes. have the people in the front row crying was incredible. Yeah, man, he was definitely, like I said, he was a special breed. And uh, it's amazing to think that someone came out of Tennessee and was able to make that much of an impact on professional wrestling. Like, whenever you think of people that represent the state of Tennessee in the best way, it's definitely Ricky Morton. That's awesome. Uh, so now, I know you went and trained under Carrie Awful. Uh, you know, that's a, a pretty common independent name that you hear even up in the northeast i've heard carry awful tell us a little bit about your training and, and tell us a little bit about him as well for fans that aren't familiar with them so god how do i even start with carrie um so carrie actually retrained me because originally i was trained in ringle georgia at the age of 14 by a professional wrestler uh notoriously known as nature boy paul lee and uh you hear a lot of flack when you hear that name and uh rightfully so um but later you know i through different mentors and different people i just wasn't learning what i needed to learn here in chattanooga and carrie and i had gotten connected because we were working uh a similar show in atlanta called atlanta wrestling entertainment and at first he hated me that's that's like my favorite thing to tell people uh, like he hated my guts because he had this general idea of what he thought I was. <laughs> like he thought I was just a, uh, a, a shithead brat, but then like he grew to like get to know me and found out that our stories both personally and professionally were very similar. And from there, like he kind of took me under his wing and retaught me everything, taught me how to become a better performer, a better storyteller. Um, you know, I, I kind of say this a lot, but I I owe my career to Carrie. Like he he took me out of the trenches and he got me to where I am now, and he is pushing me to where I'm going to be one day. So, when as you trained at such a young age, I'm sure there did you because one thing I noticed about watching your matches as I was preparing for this interview was your level of quickness and your athleticism, which is you know, was quite remarkable to me. Stood out to me. You're welcome. Uh, So did you have time for when, like in the midst of all this to play any sports in high school and things like that? Because you're an athlete, dude. Like, (laughs) so uh, you're going to hear this first. I actually didn't play any sports uh, before professional wrestling. I, uh, I just, it was, it never appealed to me. And I mean, I'm sure that 
if I would have been given the chance to maybe go after and pursue amateur wrestling, I would have done it. But it just, it never was something that like clicked with me right off the bat, like professional wrestling did. Like, uh, I'm sorry, but if you couldn't throw on a pair of colorful trunks and face paint, I, I didn't give a shit for it. I, <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to, you know, uh, be doing these things. So no, it, it didn't really, uh, affect anything like that because I just was driven at a young age to do this one thing. However, I did do breakdance. I will say <laughs> that. that I, okay. That makes sense. Watching your matches, that totally, I totally get that. I get the break dancing. I, I would have plucked you for the break dancing team, absolutely. <laughs> with, with some of the stuff you do, man. Yeah, I lost my rhythm a long time ago, there, so that's what's fun. <laughs> I mean, I describe my rhythm as roadkill. You know, if you hit an animal, the ro- it starts rolling down the street and like kind of twitches. Yeah. yeah, that's me dancing. It's not pretty. That's dark. That's it's fucking dark. It's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only person ever at their own wedding to be asked to stop dancing. That's awesome. <laughs> um. So over the course of those six years, obviously even being young, uh, how have you seen the independent scene change over that time? Man, um, more opportunity, honestly. Um, whenever I first started, God, sounds a word to say. Whenever I first started, it was very much a kind of more selective process as to who like gets to kind of come into the business. Um, which it was kind of getting out of that way, but we were still there. Now, pretty much anyone and everyone has a shot at becoming a professional wrestler getting in the business, which I don't think is necessarily an awful thing because it gives everyone a chance to live to live their dream and go after it. And at the end of the day, I think everyone deserves that chance. Um, because here's the thing. If they find out that they're not good at professional wrestling and maybe like their cardio sucks shit and different stuff, like, you know, there's multiple roles in professional wrestling. There's multiple caps that you can wear. And that's the best part about it. It's not just there's one role and that's it. Like, think of it in the terms of like you're you're uh, putting together a movie. You need your producers. You need your directors. You need your uh, people that write the script. You need your actors, obviously. You need your stuntmen. You uh, you know, and it just um, you need your people running the the um, sound and all that. Like, you need these different roles in professional wrestling to make a whole wrestling show. So. I think it's better now because the fact that people can come in and uh, pretty much chase their dream in whatever avenue of the business they can. To build off that, tell us a little bit about your experience with uh, fans, specifically like younger fans. Man, uh, whenever I was younger, before I was doing the number one uh, shtick that I do now, I was originally the party starter, Jade Newman. And uh, at the age of 15, I was wearing, like I said, bright colored panties, man. Uh, I was wearing fluffy leg warmers. Like I was going to a rave, even though I've never partied once in my life, never touched a drug, never drank anything. And uh, like bright colored polos. And I still to this day have some of the like gifts that like little kids would make me. And I have them in my uh, in my wrestling room, uh, which is where I'm actually recording this right now, um, because like some of that stuff means so much to me. At the fact that like I'm able to like 
I guess, inspire kids and be a role model. Um, granted, in my older age, I tend to be more public with my uh, profanity and such. But, um, you know, I, I definitely um, know that whenever there's children around to watch it and to pretty much be the best version of me that I can be in front of children because, you know, I want to inspire people to be able to do what they want to do. Like, I don't think that people should be limited to just being told that, hey, you have to you have to grow up, you have to go to college, and you have to have a desk job. You have to grow up, you have to go to college, and you have to become like a cop. Like you have to like you don't just have to do that. Everything's not so black and white. I think there's nothing wrong with showing a child that you can be imaginative and be whatever you want in this world. It's it's a great message to send out there. I mean, like we we'll talk about for like just this podcast alone. We did this years ago took some time off, came back to it in the midst of all this chaos that's going on in the world. We were like, Hey, you know, like, let's, let's get back to this and, and, you know, just try again. And it's worked out for us. It's, it's, and it's following like, you know, one of my dreams, which is always to have my own radio show. I got it now. I created my own. So it's, it's so, it's fun to see, you know, somebody like you as a young, as a young man to, aspire to be something greater you know it's it's very admirable and i I commend you for that i appreciate that man and i honestly i commend y'all too for like starting back up this podcast a lot of people you know shit on the fact that people are starting podcasts back up or doing whatever during this quarantine but like i think it's a better time than not because let's face it if you were to do it at another time people would probably be saying the same things people already say there's already too many podcasts but (laughs) Clearly, you guys already have a really good podcast because I have enjoyed talking to y'all unlike maybe some other podcasts <laughs> I've done. But it's – I'm kidding. I've actually – there's not been a podcast I've done that I've hated. <laughs> but no, you guys are you guys are doing great. Thank you. We, but like that's the thing. But in a time now where there's not a lot of – you can't really hold wrestling shows now. No. You can't really work a lot. This is – and that's where Chris came up with this, this idea is because we can – we can give you that avenue to to get your keep your keep names out there help us build our brand you know with your help and keep you guys going and give you something to do and talk about it and keep that excitement level because i think that's what's going to carry us through all this is keeping that keeping that mojo and that's the kind of positivity and what we bring to the table when it comes to our show is just to be you know, just make wrestling fun again instead of like the darkness that seems to cloud it sometimes, unfortunately, um, on the on the interweb, if you will. Yeah, man, there's some there's some real dark shit out there. But um, outside of like Chris's said, dancing, yeah, yeah, outside of Chris's dark humor and bad dancing, um, yeah, man, you guys, you guys just you know you're having fun, you're doing what you love, and at the end of the day, if you're just doing what you love, that's the best business practice and tactic that you can have. Mm-hmm. Is if you're talking about something that you're passionate about, people will eventually want to listen to that more and more and more. And the next thing you know, you have a whole bunch of listeners, man. That's the best part about this stuff. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been very enjoyable. So um, transitioning back to you know some of your past experiences. Um, just looking through your bio, you know, you've done a lot of, over the last year or so, you did a lot of tournaments. What it, it, I always love tournament style wrestling, uh, just cause it's just, it's just, a, it's a simple story. You can, it's easy to follow and, and whatnot. So what were some of the good experiences you had in the various tournaments that you, um, you participated in around the country? Man, I 
think probably my two favorites I participated in last year had to have been uh, the Chikara Young Lions Cup and the Scenic City Invitational. For Chikara, it was such a big deal because growing up and first discovering independent wrestling, uh, I was first discovered to uh, Chikara by watching Chuck Taylor's A Very Serious Wrestler on YouTube. So like then from there, I started branching out and watching more and more Chikara. And uh, then I found like Mike Quackenbush and was like, wow, like I fell in love with Quack's wrestling style. So over the years, that was one of the guys I was like, man, I just, I, I, I got to learn under this guy. So um, I had done uh, a seminar with him. And then out of that seminar, he had messaged my trainer, Carrie, where he had came down to Tennessee and done the seminar. He had messaged Carrie and was like, tell me more about Jaden because I'm, I was very impressed and I want to put him in the Young Lions Cup, which to me, I was like, like blown away. Like, man, I could have cried. Um, so with that experience, it was very interesting because I went up there in a car with my family and, uh, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife. And, um, man, it was just, it was such an experience to be able to, you know, do that tournament with my family there. And, uh, it was weird, man, that first round it's a, so the first round of the young lions cup is always like a triple threat. So to me, that was so different as opposed to like, you know, normal tournament style where it's like one-on-one to one-on-one to one-on-one to where you get to the bottom of it. But the end of the tournament, the finals is one-on-one. The other matches in the tournament are multi-mans except for uh, the second round. So it was extremely like cool experience to be able to like tangle with some of like the best professional wrestlers literally in the world. Like there were people there from Australia and you name it. Um, and to go to the second round too in that tournament, dude, like that's in like that's in the history books of Chikara. Like I can say that I myself, Jay Newman, did that. Like that's super cool. Um with the Scenic City Invitational though, that holds more more of a personal um attachment to me because one, it's in my city. Two, um, the tournament is held in my alma mater at Saudi Daisy High School. So, uh, oh, and three, I was always told I was never going to be in the Scenic City Invitational because people around here, they, uh, a lot of people didn't necessarily um, respect me because at a young age, obviously starting to wrestle, and I didn't add this in the bio, but uh, my grandfather opened a promotion called TWE Chattanooga uh, for me to appear for me and a bunch of young wrestlers to pretty much learn and grow in the business. So they pretty much looked at me as grandpa's money um, doesn't earn nothing, doesn't respect the business. And that was further from the truth. So to be able to like silence all those critics and earn my spot in the tournament, uh, like I did against Warhorse at scenic city showdown, like they, so here's the fun story about that. I wrestled Warhorse. And they had the bookers of Scenic City said to themselves, they didn't tell me, obviously, at all that I was going to be in the tournament. Um, they just told me I was going to be doing something on night two, like a scramble. And that was all I you know, thought I was going to do. So they got a graphic with me on it as an as a SCI entrant because I was having a really good year last year and I was blessed for it. But if that match with Warhorse would have sucked ass... I would not have seen that 
I would not have seen that graphic. That graphic would never seen the light of day, and I never would have been in the tournament. So to literally earn that spot and be shown that graphic, like I broke down in the ring and cried. Like that was another instance where my family was there. Not only my family, like my whole city and all my supporters and fans. Like I do, I broke down and cried. And then, you know, we had the build to August and whenever August came, even though I didn't make it to the second round of the SCI, the fact that I got to go into my alma mater and do work and represent my city uh, meant the world to me. It's an amazing story. Wow. Yeah, that's That's, awesome. Tremendous. So I want to go back to uh, your experience with Chikara. How did the Philly crowd differ from the Southern crowd? They're uh, they're extremely smart and very creative. Um, that that's not like me obviously saying that Southern wrestling fans are dumb, but like in some instances, like the, I guess the word is advanced. Um, Northeastern crowds are more advanced, from what I can tell. So thank you. It's almost like you're welcome. <laughs> it's almost like they're. So it's like. If you're telling a joke and it's kind of an inside joke, but it's you and I that get it and no one else does, that's how it feels with wrestling in front of a Northeast crowd. Like they respect what you're doing and they're still going to react regardless. Um, now, don't get me wrong. If you suck shit, they'll let you know. I've seen it. Um, I, I saw it up in New Jersey. It was the funniest thing ever. Um, I don't remember the match, but I saw it happen. I said, oh my gosh. But no, with. Um, with Jakara though, those fans they're so creative in their chants, because with Jakara, you know it's PG, like they're they're promoting a family friendly uh, product. So like, um, whenever you, as a professional wrestler, maybe say like crap, they flip out. Like I remember I said something about like I said something like crap in the ring to a Dasher Hatfield, and they like you would have thought that like I punched a baby in the face. It was the craziest <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. Like. And they were doing these creative chants. I was like, man, like, this is wild. So, like, I, I definitely fell in love with the crowds up there. Well, we appreciate that. As New Yorkers who have been to, like, a lot of shows, you know, quick story. Like, if you ever seen WrestleMania 20, Chris and I were there with his brother. And during the Goldberg-Lesnar match, the crowd's just destroying them because they know they're both <laughs> leaving. Yeah. And... The best part about that match, I, I would, any of our listeners and you too, Jaden, to go back and watch that and look at the crowd because they're looking somewhere else. In the crowd is a guy dressed as Macho Man and a guy dressed as Hogan having a match in the crowd. Holy Everybody's shit. watching that. And nobody ever talks about it, but you had to be there. And I have a feeling that like that match wouldn't have been as legendary without a New York Madison Square Garden crowd. So we definitely feel I feel you on that, man, for sure. Yeah, man, that that's crazy. What part of New York y'all from? Well, we're right outside the city, like twenty minutes, so it's really Dang. just a drive in. Yeah, it's 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 a quick shot. Not bad. I've only been to Brooklyn. I uh, <laughs> I went to Brooklyn and did an Evolve tryout. So yeah. Wow, how'd that I, go? I apologize for having to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, that's the only uh, experience I've had with New York, <laughs> other than like being on uh, being in Jersey City and looking across the uh, water. Oh my god, we went to. I uh, went to NXT TakeOver before WrestleMania last year with Chris's brother. And that was at Barclays. And I was, I said, we we didn't even get to the arena. I said, I'm never coming back here for anything ever again. Before we even <laughs> got to the show. 
I was like, loud, dude. <laughs> never, never again. <laughs> dude, I literally lived in the White Eagle Hall during WrestleMania week last year. I like that. I think oh. there and um, some VFW. I'm trying to remember because I I went there like three times. I wrestled once, but otherwise I was just like in the White Eagle Hall hanging out oh, wow. at DCW. It's awesome. So you're currently the Crux Wrestling Tri-State Champion. I am. Walk us through the emotions of winning that championship. So, with it being uh, representing Crux, not only as a school, but as a promotion, because we had gotten more into running shows, it really meant a lot to me, especially winning the championship. One SCI weekend, the day before night one of the tournament, in the TWE Arena, which is the place that I pretty much like slapped the paint on the walls and did everything for that place and continued to like, work my ass off for it. And then to have Carrie there, like it was, it was, uh, it was emotional, man. Uh, you know, whenever I have a title, like I, I take it super serious because to me, like that's them putting so much faith in you and telling you to run with it. Um, so yeah, I've been champion. I think I counted it the other day as like maybe like a hunt, like it was like 190, 200 days or something like that. Uh, I haven't had much defenses lately, so I'm about to just go like beat the shit out of the mailman and put the title on line or something. But you know, uh, it was a very emotional time, man. Uh, I love getting to represent Crux. It holds a, a very special place in my heart. That's great. That that really is. I mean, your story is so unique and so motivating. Uh, you know, let's talk about. This new character that you have going right now, you know, how is it different working heel than it Man. is? Whenever I'm heel, I'm a massive asshole. Whenever I'm face, I'm a uh, medium asshole. <laughs> like, um, pretty much how the birth of this character came about, I was, uh, it was whenever I was working my electrical job, I, I was an electrician for a little bit. And I was in my work van, and I was driving down the road. I was heading to a lunch, and Ludacris's number one spot came on. And I in that air and in that time period, I was kind of in a gray area in professional wrestling, to where like I was, I think I had just turned maybe nineteen. I just turned nineteen, and I you know it's hard to be the party boy whenever like you're super hairy, and <laughs> it's hard to look like a kid anymore. So. I started thinking to myself, it's time to reinvent. It's time to evolve. And then I heard Ludacris's number one spot come on. And I just thought to myself, uh, what the hell is this, man? This is good. Like, this is a banger. And I told my coworker to turn it up. And, um, man, it was like the lyrics. I just was listening to it. And I was like, what if I had this attitude in professional wrestling? And then later that night, I was scrolling through Instagram and I follow a bunch of like, uh, motivational quotes uh, on there and I saw the quote from Muhammad Ali where he said um, I am the greatest I called myself that before I ever was and I was like man how much heat would that get if I started calling myself number one when everyone really knows that I'm not so then I started kind of putting together this persona which was 
a mixture of like real emotions where I was kind of like fed up and felt like I was not being given the opportunities to like learn and uh, be seen. And then I just mixed that real life, like that real life feeling and put it into my work and then turned up being an asshole by 101%. And dude, I was off to the races. Um, you know, everything about number one, Jay Newman is flashy. Like whenever you see him, you know who he is because the, the jacket with the shiny sleeve and it's all silver. Like you see him and you know, this dude's a star and he's not going to stop until you see he is the star. He is the one true center of attention. And to me, man, that's the most important thing with being number one is you are the center of attention at all times. You're the number one hardest worker in the room. How does that translate with your interaction with fans? You know, how does that evolve? <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you this one story from whenever I was ill and I first started this gimmick. So I was wrestling a promotion called Southern Pride Championship Wrestling in Lafollette, Tennessee. And afterwards, I was in the parking lot and I was yelling at people to buy my merch because, like, dude, I'm telling you, it's weird as a hill. At that at that at that uh, promotion, I was making like killer money off merch, and like it was ridiculous. Like it was to a point to where like the promoter that was there for like a week before like he left, he told me he's like, "Hey, you have to like stop yelling at the fans." And I was like, "Well, why is that?" And he was like, "Because you're taking money away from the other boys that are trying to sell merch." And I said, "Well, then they should come up with another way to try and make money off the merch, like." You know, it's not like I have a like it's not like I have a bright neon sign that's saying, Fuck these other guys, buy my merch. Like, you know, I would interact with the other wrestlers too. Because like, you know, if I sat there and I was like, Hey, rip one of my pictures and then tell them to go buy my pictures just to rip them, like, I'm gonna make money off that and not only that, like maybe even sometimes give like a cut a cut to the guy, you know? Um like multiple stuff that you can do with it. So anyways, I was in the parking lot. I was yelling at this person and <laughs> this is awful. Um, this gentleman is yelling at me and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why does this guy just keep going on, keep going on? And uh, he has one arm. And I said, it's all right, man. It's all right. Look, calm down. All right. We'll talk about this another time. Look, I'll catch you at the armory. Oh, jeez, that's yeah, that's <laughs> that is that is yeah. Brilliant. So then, so then, like an uproar happens, and I'm thinking, oh, shit, me up a brick. <laughs> so this woman comes up to me, and she's yelling at me. She's freaking out. She's cursing at me. She's like, she's like, really, you asshole, you asshole. You're gonna make son of. You're gonna make fun of someone's imperfection you asshole i hope you can never reproduce you asshole like i just remember her calling me an asshole like 30 times and i said i don't have to reproduce your children call me daddy and i was like like that was it and dude the the uproar like i legit i ran into the locker room from the outside and i said well boys we're not going to our cars for a little while because <laughs> there was literally like a angry mob outside this door and i was thinking to myself oh shit and the promoter was going oh shit Jaden, come on now how are we gonna get out now i was freaking out it was the wildest thing i've ever seen so uh in that aspect 
doesn't translate too well with fans uh, because I am getting that heat. But now it's weird because it's like I said, it's now like fans are kind of getting in on it and they're understanding the character. So now they're all for it. Like I can go to somewhere like maybe like Knoxville or somewhere else where like they kind of know the name in Tennessee and like I'll walk out even if I'm heel and they'll give me this big massive reaction and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are you doing? Stop. And no matter what I do, like they'll keep cheering it. And I'm like, stop. Like, do I have to punch a baby? Going back to the punch and the baby thing. Um, and I'm sitting there and I was like, do I have to Cam Brady somebody? And like, it, it's awesome though. Like I, I love the fact that they respect what I'm doing. But sometimes I'm like, come on guys, you got to boo me. But the times that like I'm babyface, like, because most times it does turn me babyface in the match where we have to kind of switch roles. But whenever I'm babyface, man, it translates extremely well. Um, you make it more, like I said, of a motivational thing where it's like being number one means you're the hardest worker in the room. I call myself El Numero Uno Ichiban number one in three different languages because it's only a matter of time until I'm worldwide because I set a goal and I plan to achieve it. Um, that's where like really the switch is and that's how like you connect with, you know, kids, kids, teenagers, and then, uh, adults if, you know, they feel like they're in a rut. Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, we, we ask a lot of guys this and, but you're so young in this five years from now, you're still only 26 years old. Where, where do you want to be? Um, God, that's crazy. So think about this. In five years, I will be, I believe, an 11-year veteran in professional wrestling. So um, honestly, man, in five years, I would love to be involved with a major wrestling company, whether it is um, WWE, AEW, or Ring of Honor. Um, mainly the two I would like to be in would be AEW or Ring of Honor. Those are just the ones that like really appeal to me. And I think to myself, like, man, like that's where I would love to be. Um, which obviously if I was offered anything by WWE, I would definitely love to take it for the simple fact of like, that's the childhood dream. That's where you, you know, you always want to go. Um, but with the way the landscape has changed, man, in five years, there's no telling, like, I'm kind of keeping the horizons like broad and wide because things are going to change and things are going to become exciting and the independents are growing every single day, even during the quarantine, even during the virus. So that's such a hard question. But if I had to pick, I would say AEW or Ring of Honor. Awesome. So I have no doubt that that, that could definitely be in that future sooner than later, man, with your athleticism, there's, sky's the limit i appreciate but, it and, and then you're also you're just your just your energy personality and you know drive it just it it just shines through man um so that's chris's token question that he always asks people mine is you know as we're an old school podcast i'd like to bring the past to the present so i'm always fascinated by asking people this it's like what's like your your guilty pleasure match to go back like a match that you can just go back and watch um, and, and just take some, take little bits away from that. You can always, that's like your, like your best friend when you're feeling down, what's a match that you can always go back to, man, for me, it's always going to be Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24. 
to me, that match told such a great story in the build to it was amazing. Um, like nothing in my opinion, other than the taker and Sean series beats that because that was the epitome of like sports entertainment at that time. And man, it was just like, I get chills talking about it because there was this one moment. I literally talked about this on another podcast Saturday night. I, um, there was this moment where Sean was going to go for the sweet chin music in the middle of the match. And like, he couldn't do it. And like, he had that look of doubt. He's like, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Flair catches him in the figure four. And I just remembered the massive reaction it got from the audience and thinking to myself, man, like to be able to control a crowd like that, to be able to invoke emotion like that, that is an art form. 100% that's an art form. And those two guys perfected that art form. So it's an excellent match. Uh, Shawn Michaels is my favorite ever. Cause I, I always go, go to when everyone, anyone always asks me that. And I'm just like, and the way I always describe it is if I had a hundred dollars to spend, to watch one guy perform, I it's, it's Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Easy, Cause you just do didn't have bad matches and he always, entertain me and just is a was a joy to watch so that's a can't can't knock that pick my friend that is uh that is excellent yeah it was uh god like i said still gives me chills are there with uh your performance are there specific wrestlers from the past that you look at to kind of incorporate within your character I definitely think that Ric Flair has a good bit of influence on like my persona, even though I don't do anything maybe that Flair does necessarily like his energy he brought to the table was something that I definitely take Um, a lot of Shawn Michaels as far as like persona goes, but as far as in ring style, I take a lot of inspiration from like Chris hero and uh, Mike Quackenbush and, um billy robinson and a bunch of like technical wrestlers and like brawlers because like that's more of the style that like i kind of morphed into which is weird for a guy that fell in love with professional wrestling through Rey mysterio and eddie guerrero but um that's just how it goes man that's how the cookie crumbles definitely um you know when when i watched you i actually saw a little bit of tully blanchard in your promo Interesting. I, I've never heard that one before. So, because and he's one of my favorites of all time. Okay. The arrogance that he talks with, the "I'm better than you" mentality that comes across in everything he says, kind of that number one, and without him saying he's number one. Yeah. So that that's where I see that connection. I like that. I'm going to have to go watch me some Tully Blanchard promos after this. He was very underrated. Very uh, underrated. His his ring work was phenomenal. Like, he was definitely, as, as bad as it sounds, uh, other than Arn, he was definitely my second favorite member of the Horsemen. I loved all of them. They're my favorite faction ever. They're the greatest faction ever. Greg now... Guys. What do you think about the uh, What do you think about the second coming of the Horsemen? Which Which, which second, second coming? <laughs> are you talking about? The uh, the one with uh, Benoit and all them. 
Um, okay, so the 43rd rendition of, of the Horsemen. Um, so I thought they fit in regards to their work rate, but they okay. weren't Horsemen. No. Um, you know, to me that you're never – I don't actually think the first set of Horsemen was the best. It's actually the second one where you got Flair, Tully, Arn, and Wyndham. I think is the best version of it. Um, but that first edition of it, just the, the way they did their work was amazing. Like the Andersons picking a body part, mutilating it to the point where you knew how the match was going to end because you couldn't, they couldn't use their arm or they couldn't use their leg. Just to me, that told a, a great story and there was no doubt even it, three, four, five, six years old that that guy ain't going to win because he just got beat up to no end. Yeah. They were definitely really good at separating a body part. And I've, uh, I've seen a lot of that in their work and try to duplicate it within mine. That's definitely something we've talked about that is left out a lot in today's product. You know, the only real example that I've seen recently was, Andrade with uh, Apollo Cruz the other day. That was the last time I really saw somebody fully attack a body part. Yeah. So, b- picking up off of that, so you know you have this tremendous energy and passion for for this sport. So, you know, looking forward, if you if you had to just fix something when it comes to the bigger companies what would it be uh, any like the things that bo- maybe just just you can't get past and bother you uh when it comes to like the AEWs or the wwe's and how they how they conduct um like like the show or anything like that honestly man it's that's such a hard question yeah. because I feel like they do such a good job in regards to like I think AEW like there's nothing I would change with AEW because I think that they are under such good leadership that it makes them like just in such a good spot like Tony Khan cares so much about his employees and like that's spoken about multiple like times by multiple of like his employees like I don't know if y'all listen to the AEW unrestricted podcast but I've never heard anyone on there say you know, a bad word about Tony, even outside of like the realm of AEW, like they've just said nothing but good things, even about like his business practices and like, you know, people are getting paid while they're, you know, uh, not having to work the shows. And that's awesome. I think that's like the big thing that's so important right now is like these guys getting paid while they're not, you know, performing, especially if they're under contract. Um, because even though, like, say, like, in the WWE, like, you know, obviously that they're uh, under the term, technically, of an independent contractor. However, they are under contract, and there are certain things they can't breach. And it's it's a weird thing. Um, I definitely think that, like, maybe better benefits. I think better benefits would be great from the bigger companies. So that way uh, we don't have to be in panic if anything happens. It, it has been like, that's been like the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to, comes to how like some of these companies conduct business. It's, it's, it's that 
it's the lack of, and that's, that's, that's every sport, you know, you see it in the NFL, you see it everywhere. It's just, exactly. they, they don't, they, they ask so much of your, of the talent, but they, you know, they don't protect them as best they can. Yeah. And it's and just really I mean, unfortunate thing. Yeah. And I definitely think that they're getting better with it. Like, um, if you look to where Punk had left the company with WWE to now, I definitely think they've taken more precautions looking in towards like, you know, making sure that the employees are taken care of and that they're not getting like staff and all sorts of crazy shit and they're not being forced to work whenever like they don't need to. Um, and that's great to see because with professional wrestling, yes, there is no off season, but if we continue to bend and bend to bend, eventually we'll probably break. Absolutely well, uh, well said, without a doubt. So I want to kind of end here because I've been looking at your Jose Aldo, uh, Chad Mendez poster over your shoulder the entire show. <laughs> oh yeah, they've been giving you the stink eye. <laughs> Who, uh, who's your go-to UFC fighter? What is your favorite UFC fight of all time? Ah, uh, dude. Um, so my go-to UFC fighter is Conor McGregor because I take a lot of like stuff from him as well and input and implement it into my character. That dude, like his passion just for what he does, is so like unparalleled by anyone that's ever came into the sport of of mixed martial arts. He like is legit one of those guys that started from the bottom. Now he's here. Like he worked so hard to become the double champ, and do like and you'll never take that away from him. Like he is history, one hundred percent. And I just say that he is history because he's made it so many times within like UFC. Um, my favorite fight that he was ever in was him and. Um, him and uh, Diaz, the second one. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. That was a real good fight. It was. I remember get. I remember watching it at. A, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with a couple friends for a bachelor party, uh, and uh, man, it was the craziest shit I'd ever seen. I I hate Diaz so much. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a great deal, isn't he? <laughs> He really is. He really is. He sounds dumber than a boxer ox, and he's just he's great. I love listening to him. But he's ten times smarter than his brother Nick. If you've ever one hundred percent, one hundred percent, your IQ drops. Uh, now this has been awesome, man. You know, yeah, like we said, we couldn't have been more excited to have you on, and it was everything we anticipated and more. You know, the sky is 100% the limit with you. You know, the personality and charisma that, that you carry, um, just it's off the charts. So we, we can't thank you enough uh, for joining us. You know, plug all your stuff, man. You know, get everything out there to the audience. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, like I said, this is probably one of my favorite podcasts I've got the chance to appear on. So seriously. Appreciate that. Um, as far as my plugs... So I myself actually just started a podcast. You can find right now only on SoundCloud. I'm working on getting on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, all those little platforms. Uh, it's called How Do You Take Your Wrestling? It's where myself, fellow professional wrestlers, 
colleagues and uh, even people outside of the world of professional wrestling. I'm, I'm eventually going to start interviewing baristas and like putting them through like hypotheticals of like professional wrestling just to like kind of see like where their thought process is on uh, what professional wrestling is. And uh, we pretty much drink coffee and we enjoy like each other's company and talk the graps, man. So yeah, you can check that out on SoundCloud underneath Jaden Newman. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jaden One Newman. That's J A D E N One N E W M A N. Twitter Jaden for real. Facebook Jaden Newman official. And then for merchandise www.tpublic.com backslash user backslash Jaden for real. Pro Wrestling Tees as well, www.prowrestlingtees.com backslash Jaden Newman. Awesome. Excellent. So you can, uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at the DDT Archives. You can follow me, Chris, at Chris underscore DDTHSLB. And, uh, yeah, he's clapping because I never get it right. Uh, <laughs> I got my notes. That's literally how I remembered everything. <laughs> uh, you know, we, you know, this has been another great episode of the Indie Lounge. We uh, hope everybody enjoyed it, and we look forward to uh, entertaining you again soon. Thank you very much, everybody, for your time, and uh, have a great day. Thanks, Shaden. See ya. <laughs>